Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. The landlord or the tenant wants to terminate it, say on February 21st and gives notice on February 21st that the lease will be terminated. The earliest day it can be terminated is not March 21st. It's March 31st. You must have one full calendar month or one full rental billing cycle in that notice. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed, and this is a bonus operations episode. It's been a while since we ran one of these, but I want to walk you all through my leasing process, the one that I use for my own properties, my property management company here in Cincinnati, Ohio. I have a couple of things that we're going to go over here. I have a six-point process to get from a rent-ready vacancy to a signed lease and a tenant moving in and a couple of notes that I'll give you along the way. A little bit of background on me. I have built a rental portfolio starting with my own house hack, which we closed in February of 2014, up into now managing north of 150 doors. I am also a residential real estate agent. 
And I am a general contractor for a lot of the renovations that happen within my management portfolio. Very busy, wear a lot of hats, and the leasing process can be very time-consuming. And so from the onset, as soon as I was in a position to hire other people to help me in real estate, the leasing process was one of the first places that I wanted that help, particularly because you can hire a virtual assistant to do almost anything that can be done remotely that doesn't require any specialized knowledge. And the vast majority of the leasing process actually can be done remotely, the vast majority of the work at least. And I'm going to talk you through that as we go through this six-step process. Let me say first, I was looking for efficiency. I wanted to be able to get a high caliber, high quality result from the process requiring as little of my own time after I had hired and trained other people to work in this process with me. And you'll see that as we go through the six steps. The first one is listing the vacancy. Just a couple of quick notes here. I always use professional photography. I always write my own marketing remarks. And my experience has been that the vast majority, north of 95% of our qualified prospects are coming from Zillow and apartments.com. I now have a member of my team whose responsibility it is to respond to every inquiry as soon as it comes in. Depending on the listing, depending on how many listings we have at the time, everyone immediately gets a text message. The moment we get an I'm interested in this property type generic click from Zillow or apartments.com or from whatever website or platform, we're at least sending them a text message. If we don't have a lot of volume, we will follow up with a phone call, leave a voicemail, maybe send an email if they've left us an email. But as soon as we get them on the phone, the first thing that we do, step number two, is pre-qualify them. My assistant has a set of pre-qualification questions that she asks to make sure that we are only taking the time and resources to meet a prospect and show them an apartment if they are qualified. There will be another bonus operations episode specific to rental qualifications that are working for me here in Cincinnati. And I will say that you need to make sure that you're following the state local and federal guidelines for the apartment showing process and the leasing process wherever you are. We pre-qualify our prospects, make sure that they are at least saying yes and no to the right questions before we schedule a showing. Then my assistant has access to my calendar or the calendar of the person she is scheduling for the showing so that she can get it booked. We try to batch our showings for one or maybe two bedroom apartments. We just need 30 minutes at a time because the vast majority of our showings take fewer than 30 minutes. And that gives us a little bit of leeway time in between showings. At the showing, my team has a one-page info sheet that we give the prospect that answers all of the frequently asked questions. We take some of our own notes on that document as well. This is number three, by the way, showing the unit or the apartment. We give them the showing info sheet at the end. We take a picture of it for our own notes, but it answers all of the questions that they were likely going to follow up with afterwards or that they were wanting to ask during the showing, including how you apply. Taking a step back from the six steps here, I want to talk about something that my team now does because we're at the point that we will always and forever have at least a handful 
of active listings for lease. I'm not the only person showing apartments in my company anymore. And I do have someone full-time on the phones responding to inquiries as well as communicating with our tenants. We have a weekly review meeting for each of our listings at which we discuss the volume of inquiries coming in, how the market is responding, whether those inquiries that we do connect with are below average qualified, about average qualified, or above average qualified based on the rental qualifications for the space, and then how many of those we are able to get shown. We also collect the feedback that we have asked for at each showing from our showing assistants or from me so that we can figure out exactly how the market is reacting to each place that we have listed. Is there something actionable that we can change about the space? Is there no overhead lighting? And so evening showings make the space feel small and we need to get a lamp in every bedroom. Are there unactionable things we cannot change about a unit such as the location that are detractors for the majority of our prospective tenants who get showings? If there are, that gives us a good idea of where we need to be price-wise. If we're priced right and we just don't have the correct prospect or the correct applicant yet, or if we need to reduce that price. We do tend to test the market at first, especially see if we can get a higher rent than we have historically, especially because we have this weekly meeting where we review all of our numbers and we have an opportunity to pivot on a weekly basis, change our listing price, change other things about the listing, act on the feedback that we're getting both from individual prospects and from the market at large. Next, after we have someone who has answered our pre-screening questions and seen the apartment and they apply, one of my assistants sends the application via email through our property management platform. We currently use Appfolio and plan to use Appfolio for the foreseeable future. My assistant collects all of the information. Yes, we do call the references. We call them for a couple of reasons. One, we do want to know what they have to say about our prospect, but two, we also know, especially with the personal reference, that they are going to call our prospect and tell the prospect that we reached out to them, which is a demonstration to the applicant that we do what we say we are going to do. And that is definitely something we want to establish up front with each of our applicants, that when we say we're going to do something, it will get done. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Are you a real estate investor looking to break into the multifamily investing space? Have you heard of MFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 12th through the 14th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from over 60 high-level apartment investors while networking with more than 700 additional investors. If that's not enough for you, A-Rod, yep, Alex Rodriguez, 12-time Major League Baseball All-Star with over $700 million of commercial real estate assets, will be live and in person speaking at the event. Also speaking is the one and only Dr. Robert Cialdini, the godfather of influence and the award-winning author. I personally love his books. So be sure to secure your tickets to this live in-person event before they're gone. Go to MFINCon.com for more details. Sponsorship opportunities are also available. Visit MFINCON.com today. Use the promo code BESTEVER to get $200 off your tickets. That's MFINCON.com. Before we move forward, we also don't chase any prospective tenants. When you inquire on our listing, we will reach out to you once. Now, when I say reach out, 
I mean, send you a text, call you, leave you a voicemail, possibly email you. If we have a lower volume of inquiries, we'll do it twice. Once the day the inquiry comes in and again, the following day, just in case, but then we're done. We're not going to establish a relationship with a prospective tenant that we will chase them when we want something, because then we'll have to chase them throughout the tenant landlord relationship. We'll have to chase them for rent. We'll have to chase them to get everything that we need. And that's not a relationship that we're looking to establish up front. Still on step four here with the application, as soon as my assistant completes the application, compiles all of the data, calls all of the references, she emails me a summary of the application. We have everything on record, but at first, at least, all I want to see is the summary. She emails me that summary, and it is specific to the points of qualification that we are tracking. The income, credit qualifications, does this person have any collections? Did anything come up in their criminal eviction histories? Do they own firearms? Do they have pets? Depending on the property, of course, with those. And then I email a response to the application summary and I either approve, decline, or ask for follow-up specific to the summary and the qualifications of the applicant placed in the summary. This is really for federal fair housing reasons as much as anything else to create a paper trail with those emails of exactly why an applicant is qualified and being able to trace that back to one of our specific rental qualifications that do not fall under any sort of federal fair housing guideline about any protected class of person or people. Once we have someone approved, my assistant follows up with them to let them know. We send them the lease via dot loop. You can use any electronic signature platform, at least in the states of Ohio and Kentucky, where we manage. My assistant fills out my lease template. I review it to make sure all the information is correct. And then when she sees it signed by me and returned from me, that's when she sends it to the prospective tenant. They sign, we get them moved into our property management software, they put down the deposit, they pay the first month's rent, and then we schedule the move-in. At the move-in, we have a welcome checklist. Before I get ahead of myself, the lease and getting the lease signed is step five. Step six is the move-in, welcoming a new tenant into their new home. We show up with the keys, of course, to hand over to them and say, welcome home. And we also have a welcome checklist. It talks about the things they need to do during their first week of tenancy if they haven't already, like get the pertinent utilities put into their name, send us their proof of renter's insurance. And then there are a couple of things in particular that we put in that welcome checklist that they will sign before we leave. We'll leave the physical copy with them, but we'll keep a digital copy. These things help us establish up front what the end of their tenancy needs to look like. The first is notice. In both Ohio and Kentucky, if you're not in one of these states, of course, seek your own legal counsel. I'm not a real estate attorney, but also check the laws in your own states. In Ohio and Kentucky, a 30 days notice is not actually 30 days most of the time. The 30 days notice is one rental billing cycle. Long story short, if your rent is due on the first of the month, then the calendar month is the rental billing cycle. 
So if a tenant has a month to month lease and the landlord or the tenant wants to terminate it, say on February 21st and gives notice on February 21st that the lease will be terminated, the earliest day it can be terminated is not March 21st. It's March 31st. You must have one full calendar month or one full rental billing cycle in that notice. I will stand with the tenant in their new apartment explaining this until they understand because I want them to know exactly how that's going to work if they are the ones telling us that they are terminating their lease. We have a signed document demonstrating that we have the conversation and that they understood. And I also genuinely want to make sure that they understand exactly how that move out is going to work out. You'd be surprised after a year, two, three, five years, how many people forget that that's the way that works. And we have to bring up this welcome checklist to them and show them that they signed it and remind them of the conversation that we had. The other is the conversation that we have about the condition that the apartment needs to be left in when they leave, namely the same condition that it is in upon move-in, normal wear and tear accepted, of course, what normal wear and tear looks like is a little subjective and not the topic of this episode, which is already running kind of long. But I want to make sure that we establish up front what the expectations will be when the tenant moves out, which of course they eventually will. We hope that they stay with us for a long time and are happy the entire time that they're with us. But we do know that they are going to move out. And then depending on the property that we're moving the tenant into, we either walk them through some key maintenance features of the apartment and the building, or we walk them through all of the move-in inspection items that we covered when preparing the apartment for them to move in. And there you have it. Let me summarize the six points and some of the key things that I just discussed. The first point is the listing of the lease. Always use professional photography. We pre-qualify all prospective tenants. We do not ask them to apply or pay an application fee before they get a showing because we've learned in the Cincinnati area that's too much of a detractor for some quality prospective tenants. Number three, we show the apartment with an info sheet that we leave with them answering all of the frequently asked questions. Number four, the application, which can be processed remotely, and then the approval decision being made specifically on qualification criteria that pass federal housing muster. Number five, the lease can be signed electronically, reviewed by me, but filled out by an assistant and sent to the tenant by an assistant. They can be moved in remotely, pay their security deposit and first month's rent remotely. And number six, welcome new tenant to your new home. Here are some guidelines and expectations for your time living in our space. Built this system for efficiency. The weekly review meeting, now that I'm not the one doing everything, showing everything is pivotal to making sure that we as a company stay on top of what's happening with every single listing that we have. Occasionally, I ping a member of my team to get feedback faster than once per week, but that once weekly meeting lets us know exactly which direction the ship is headed in and gives us the opportunity to steer if necessary. Best ever listeners, if you have gained value from this bonus operations show, please do subscribe to our show, leave us a five-star review, and share this episode with a friend who you know is either actively involved in apartment operations 
or is curious to know whether or not the operators, the managers in their investments are operating similar to the way I am. Thank you and have a best ever day. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and Best Ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the Best Ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access. And you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.